There's no secret formula for scaling support and boosting customer satisfaction. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot. It makes it infinitely easier to scale customer support and increase retention. By bringing service and support together in one powerful platform, you can deliver the best experiences for your customers and your teams. Free up time for your reps to focus on complex issues with an AI-powered help desk. Proactively drive retention with customer health scores that help keep your business ahead, stopping churn in its tracks. And give your entire go-to-market team the data they need to operate as one unified, powerful front. Also, you can better connect with customers and keep them happy. Secrets out. HubSpot Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Howdy, folks. It's Tuesday, March the 1st. We're already in March. Jesus, that's insane. Craziness. That's wild. That's wild. Anyways, I'm Jacob Cohen here with Hustle writer Rob Litterst, and this is the Hustle Daily Show. Later in today's episode, we're actually going to be talking about what I think is probably the biggest story in the world right now, Ukraine, specifically about the SWIFT payments network, which has become a powerful political tool. But I just want to preface this by saying between recording this podcast and you listening to it, things could very well have changed on the ground there, I really hope, for the better. But before we get into that, here are four things you should know. All right, Rob, what are you watching today? Okay, so the first thing that's on my radar, and it's because I used to go to the store every basketball season growing up, and this is kind of heartbreaking for me, but I guess it's what happens when brands want to go D to C and really want to control their entire value chain. Basically, Nike is going D to C mm. and its wholesalers are hurting. One of them is Foot Locker, right. which basically announced that they expect the amount of Nike products in their stores to decline meaningfully as Nike ramps up its D2C strategy. Wow. Nike is Foot Locker's largest supplier. They accounted for <laughs> 75% of its sales in 2020, 70% in 2021. And along with that, kind of on the other side, you can see this transition from Nike from wholesale to going D2C. And in 2011, 84% of Nike sales were through wholesalers. In 2021, that number was down to 61%. Wild. And Nike's big goal is to get it to 40% by 2025, which is only obviously three years away. So yeah, absolutely nuts. That's nuts. I mean, I used to go buy shoes in a shoe store. Lately, I just get shoes online because like, yeah. by now I know what oh, yeah. size I am. I know what will be mm -hmm. good. And I feel like that's just happened with everyone. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you ever saw this movie. It's a Spike Lee joint. He got game with Ray Allen and Denzel. Oh. Great movie. Favorite basketball movie I've ever seen. Crazy movie. But Denzel's character gets let out of prison on a work release program. And one of the first stops that he mm. makes is Foot Locker to get new basketball shoes. <laughs> but he has one of those ankle monitors around yeah. his ankle because he's he's like getting let out of prison. And I always think about that scene when I think about Foot Locker just because it's like seared in my memory because I've seen that movie a bunch of times. But um, this is just such a transformation, I think, for Nike. For sure. But they're saying that ultimately doing it this way will help them maximize their profits and take control of their pricing. They won't see any kind of like off pricing or crazy discounting going on in any of their wholesale stores that could be tarnishing for the brand and stuff like that. All right, nice. And uh, what else? So the next thing that I'm looking at is Netflix struggles in India. 
And India has a thriving cinema scene. Bollywood culture is absolutely huge. It has a huge impact on their culture in general. And so Netflix launched in India in 2016 and had this ambitious goal of reaching 100 million subscribers. So far, they only have 5.5 million. Oof. So obviously, incredibly short. And if you're looking at comparisons, Disney Hotstar has 50 million subscribers and Amazon Prime Video has 16 million subscribers in the region. Netflix went into India at a rate of about 6 to $7 per month, which is a pretty big discount off of their US subscription. But India is notoriously value-oriented as a culture. And that came in way higher than Amazon and Disney Hotstar, which were priced closer to $1 per month. Data plans in India can range from like $2 to $2.50 per month. So if you can imagine paying $2 to $2.50 per month for data and then having to pay $6 per month for Netflix, it doesn't really compute. Yeah, that's insane. All right, I am watching the return of the theme park. Nice. Basically, the five largest theme park operators reported over $11 billion in fourth quarter 2021 revenue. Higher than the combined revenue for the same quarter in 2019. So we're talking pre-COVID. No way. Yeah, we're talking pre-COVID. That's big deal, right? SeaWorld said per capita spending in the park was up 22% compared to 2019 level. So, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, that just sounds like a nice corporate way of saying they're charging fewer visitors more money. <laughs> right. <laughs> to note, I will say SeaWorld actually just tried to buy Cedar Fair for $3.4 billion. Wow. So I've never even heard of Cedar Fair. That is wild. I know. I think I was just reading one of the main concert operators was saying they think this year is going to be like their biggest year ever. Definitely. The other thing I'm following is TikTok, as per usual. Interesting news, though, coming out of TikTok. They're already giving some users the ability to upload videos up to 10 minutes long. They've gone from 15 seconds to 30 seconds to 60 seconds to three minutes. Now, some users are able to do 10 minutes. And we've seen all these other companies, YouTube with shorts, Instagram with reels. We've seen all these companies invest in short form videos, basically trying to copy TikTok. By the way, I thought you'd like this. I spent an hour on TikTok Sunday. The iPhone is about six inches in height. And I'm going to say, I think the average length of TikToks I watched was maybe 20 seconds. Okay. Three TikToks a minute, or about 180 TikToks (laughs) that I watched over the course of that hour. And with a six-inch screen, that means I scrolled across about 90 feet of TikToks. 90 feet in TikToks. I like that. That's how you can measure how productive or unproductive you were on a Sunday. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well done. Anyways, for more interesting things like a look at 3,000-year-old pants, a streaming site for music videos that have less than a million views, and an article on how to make writing more readable, check out today's email. And now, let's talk about Swift. Okay, so if you've been reading the news at all over the last couple of days, you've probably heard of these SWIFT sanctions that are being imposed on Russia. So SWIFT, for the uninformed, uh, stands for Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication, which ultimately SWIFT is a messaging system that provides transaction instructions for international transactions among banks. And basically, like if you think about what was happening before SWIFT, anytime anybody wanted to transfer funds internationally, they had to use the system called Telex, which required people to essentially transcribe the transactions manually using kind of like full sentences. It was basically like a free form field, if you can think about that. Mm. And the person on the receiving 
receiving end essentially would receive that. And it kind of depended on the person on the receiving end's proficiency in your language and understanding what you meant for the transaction to go according to plan, right? right? So ultimately, it opened the door to a ton of human error, really long processing times. So in 1973, a bunch of nations essentially came together and decided mm-hmm. to create this network called SWIFT that essentially has a bunch of codes that apply to its member banks and their transactions. So every bank that's part of SWIFT, 11,000 banks across 200 countries at this point, has their own code. It tells everybody what country they're from, what city they're from, and has kind of like an institution ID number, essentially. And then this is the really important part. Each transaction type in SWIFT gets a code specifying what's actually happening. So if there's like a customer payment or a bank transfer between two different institutions, they all have their own transaction code. So it no longer relies on these kind of people to go in and tell you exactly what needs to happen on either end. Beautiful. What's really important to remember about Swift is it doesn't actually house funds. It's really just kind of a messaging application. Over 40 million messages per day that influence trillions of dollars in transactions. So as you can imagine, the scale of the SWIFT network poses a serious problem for Russia if they get cut off from the network, right? So as well as being this really awesome kind of cross-border financial tool, SWIFT has also become this kind of geopolitical tool as well that its member nations can essentially threaten other member nations Mm. with if they're doing something they don't agree with. So right now, these sanctions on Russia essentially can keep their banks from using the SWIFT network. And like we talked about before, if you're not on SWIFT, then you kind of have to go back to either manually dealing with other banks or other systems that are less efficient, which can add delays and costs to the country's global transactions and could have a really big impact on the Russian economy. Iran was booted from Swift. Exactly, right? exactly. In 2012, and it had a really big impact on their economy. So they saw a 50% drop in oil revenue from exports and a 30% decrease in foreign trade. Wow. I believe it was Russia's former finance minister who said he thinks getting booted from Swift could shrink Russia's economy by 5%. So it's not like a insignificant economic impact. Like this is something that could have a huge impact on Russia. I think it already has. The value of the ruble, their currency has already fallen sharply. It's important to note also Swift is a completely impartial network, right? So they leave the decisions of sanctions and all that sort of stuff to the member nations. That's not really up to the Swift group. They're really kind of a neutral third party. In this case, it's the United States and European nations that really kind of banded together. And I don't think they've fully fleshed out exactly what they're going to do with Russia yet. But I think people are thinking that it'll really be kind of some of their biggest banks that get impacted. Yeah, long story short, you don't want to be booted from Swift. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. The, that, that's the headline right the main there. Main point. <laughs> yeah. All right, bada bing, bada boom. That's it, folks. For more on the Hustle's tech and business coverage and links to all kinds of cool stuff from around the web, check out our newsletter at thehustle.co. Thank you to our behind-the-scenes producers, Darren Clark and Matthew Brown. I'm Jacob Cohen here with Hustle writer Rob Litters. You've been listening to the Hustle Daily Show, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. See you tomorrow.